Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome once again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 59, my friends. We are here today with the incredible Emily Frisella. She is a nutrition expert. She has all kinds of great material out there. She has an incredible community and following on social media, on Instagram in particular. Uh, you can find her at Emily Frisella on Instagram. That's with two L's, Emily Frisella, F-R-I-S-E-L-L-A. Uh, the Fresh Farmhouse Kitchen Cookbook that she put out. Fit Home and Health. She has fithomeandhealth.com and uh, all kinds of great material there. Uh, she even has, uh, we didn't even talk about this in the interview. We're going to talk again probably down the road, but she even has recipes for our furry friends for, you know, if you have pets, dogs, and so on. Uh, so all kinds of great things. And uh, she comes from a, a farming background as a child. She has a great entrepreneur father. She has a lot of great insights about all of that. And uh, we talked about uh, eating disorders, and we talked about intermittent fasting, and we talked about Atkins, and we talked a lot about carbs and soda, and all, just all kinds of great, valuable topics here. In this podcast, we haven't talked a great deal about nutrition and food before, which is unfortunate, uh, but now we have... Uh, one of the queens in this whole space of nutrition sharing this with us. And it's such a central key component to our well-being and existence that we can't say enough about how important it is, uh, how it's uh, interconnected with our mental state and our energy levels and just success overall in our lives because it's all, everything about us is interconnected. And sometimes, you know, I'm an American, whoever you are in the world, we love you. At the same time, sometimes we Americans, I think from my experience, kind of take for granted the whole topic of nutrition. Like, ah, we can set that aside. All these other things matter, but I can I can still eat a lot of garbage and junk food and and still be okay. That's just simply not the case. And I listened to a book a while ago called Fast Food Genocide, which I highly recommend as well, uh, just so that you learn about those topics and what these things actually do to us. Great eye-opening material there, but also excellent, excellent insights from Emily here. I want to remind you, as always, before we get into the interview, you are absolutely priceless. Do not forget that. Don't get lost in any sort of delusion that you're anything less than priceless to any degree, because you absolutely are. You're above all the riches and so-called wealth and nonsense of this world. The riches are found in you, my friends. Uh, we love you. You're never alone. Also, the other thing I'd like to remind you of, whatever you're going through, trust me, we're all going through things. I'm going through things. <laughs> I'm doing this podcast for various reasons, but everyone's going through something in their lives. Everyone's struggling with various things. It's part of what this life is. So you're absolutely never alone. Reach out for help. Contact me directly through empowerhumans.com at empower101 on Instagram and Twitter and uh, challenge you quickly as always. Study. Keep studying if you have been. Start studying if you haven't been. Learn. Grow. Whatever uh, topics Pique your interest that bring value to the world and uh, to you in particular that you can maybe turn around and bring value to others. Study. There's all kinds of great value in fueling your mind. We talk in this podcast interview about fueling our body principally, uh, but also how that all interconnects and also make great moments in your life. Love with a, as a verb, as an action item. Those around us, friends, family, co-workers, roommates, whatever. I always touch on all those sorts of things, but make great moments because we're all going to have mistakes and little regrets and things in our lives. But these great moments can overshadow that and be pillars of strength as we uh, move on through life. And eventually maybe this life comes to a close and we look back and realize, you know, I had tons of great moments, whatever those might be, large and small things. And a lot of times the little things make the biggest difference. Just write a card to somebody. And, and by the way, both of you will remember that for the rest of your lives. 
hey, this person wrote me this nice little note thanking me for being the great uh, person at the post office or <laughs> whatever it might be. And last challenge is always, let's keep doing this podcast together. I'm long-winded, sorry, but uh, let's get into this interview with Emily, and I, I hope you get tons of great value out of it. I know I sure did. And without further ado, here is our interview with Emily Frisella. We are privileged today to be with Emily Frisella, who is author of Fit Home and Health and website also of the same name and uh, a whole bunch of great things. And I've been chasing you down for some time, Emily, like we're talking like six weeks. We've <laughs> back and forth with some I know, it's so back and forth. <laughs> but, you know, it's summertime and everyone's settling and I've been doing several things and moving all kinds of stuff. So uh, privileged to have you here. Now, no, I'm trying to be here, and I'm glad we could finally connect. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's great. And and see, with our podcast, Empower Humans, I talk to a wide range of people, whether it's musicians and filmmakers to, you know, best-selling authors, and uh, you talk to Zig Ziglar's son and uh, various things. Uh, but we haven't covered nutrition a lot, and I know that that's such a huge kind of central component <laughs> to everything about our well-being. But I want to talk to you first, as far as your background uh, and, and how you got to this place. Where did you grow up, first of all? I grew up in a small town about an hour west of St. Louis, and I grew up on a farm. It was a cattle and row crop farm. My family farmed about 1,000 acres, and um, I grew up there. And then whenever I um, turned this year, when I was 20, I opened up my first business, and that's when I got my entrepreneur feet wet, I guess you could say, and then just kind of been moving forward since then. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and so, wow, thousand acres. That's a, that's a big farm. I mean, I don't, I guess yeah. farms can be bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of land. My dad's a workaholic. That's for sure. Yeah. You got that much land. You got to be a workaholic cause it's nonstop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> did, right. Did, exactly. Did they have you working on the farm by the way? Yeah, sometimes um, it depends. Cause see, my dad was an entrepreneur as well. He owned trucking firms and brokerage firms, so he was always working. Um, his office was about an hour and twenty minutes from home, one way. So he was driving in the car, you know, almost three hours a day driving. So he would farm a lot, super early in the morning, and then later at night, and then on the weekends. So on the weekends, um, we would have to help out, you know, do whatever mm -hmm. we could around the farm or help at the house or in our gardens and things like that. So yeah. We were definitely put to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this this must have some of the roots of where you came up with this fresh farmhouse kitchen cookbook. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because you come, you come from that background, and and uh, you know, I my grandfather grew up on a farm, and the youngest of twelve, so they had a bunch of workers. Uh, <laughs> but wow. they, did you have any I, siblings? I so. <laughs> What's that? I said, I would say so. You got 12 kids. I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, you got a lot of farming. <laughs> yeah. Back in those days, people, uh, <laughs> in any case, so, have kids for labor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It's, uh, and and his sister, my great aunt, I guess, once said that, yeah, if she knew about cruises and all those things, she would have just ran away from the farm when she was a kid because it was just work, work, work. <laughs> and then she became an adult and just started going on cruises galore and just like <laughs> made a life of, of leisure okay. after growing up on the farm. But I digress. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so tell me about how you got to this place with all the nutrition and the cookbook and all that kind of stuff. Like, how did you get to that place? Well, I was always 
um, big into athletics. My sister, I grew up with two sisters, an older and a younger, and my parents were always had us very involved in sports. So I played volleyball from um, about seventh grade, and I played through college. And when you are, you know, an athlete, you can eat pretty much anything you want because you're training two hours a day mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're burning crazy amounts of calories, so food doesn't really catch up with you like it does when you stop training. So yeah. after college, um, you know, and backing up, growing up on the farm. My mom was very traditional. She was a stay-at-home mom. We had big country dinners like every night, like fried chicken, mashed potatoes, gravy, like country fried steaks, biscuits and gravy on the weekends. Like we ate a lot of, you know, home style food. And, you know, that was fine during my, you know, time when I was playing volleyball. But then as I graduated college, stopped playing volleyball, I was still in those eating habits of eating food like that. And mind you, it was all homemade. It wasn't, you know, preservatives and junk food or anything like that, but it was, in surplus and excess calories and very fat laden foods. And I realized, you know, I couldn't eat that stuff. And I started to gain weight. I gained about 15 pounds um, after I quit college or, you know, graduated college and quit volleyball. So I realized like, you know, I needed to do something about that and, you know, get healthy to, you know, lose the weight that I gained. And then just to feel better because I wasn't as active as I was because I honestly, I was so burnt out after college. I just wanted to break. I wasn't working out like I was, you know, I wasn't trained as hard. I just kind of was, a little taking a little sabbatical, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So I got to thinking, it's like, I want, you know, to eat healthier. So I was looking at all of these um, healthy, quote, healthy cookbooks. And a lot of them had crazy ingredients. I didn't know what they were. I was, you know, I've always been very well versed in the kitchen because my grandmas and my mom were such great cooks. And mm-hmm. I was Googling what ingredients were, or they were so expensive or hard to find because I grew up in a small town. You'd have to order them on Amazon to try to get the ingredients. Mm-hmm. You're waiting a couple of days to make the dish you want to. Yeah. And I was like, you know, there's got to be a better way, you know, to this. So I started eating healthier and cooking healthier and I just didn't like it. It was just boring me. It was bland. I feel like I was like just choking down the food (laughs) just to get my food in. I didn't enjoy it. And I've, food's always been something that, you know, I'm a food person. I like to enjoy my food. I want it to taste good. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to make, I'm going to work on clean up recipes that I grew up with in my childhood. So my favorite foods I want to make a healthier version of. So I started working on that, um, about six years ago. I would create certain dishes um, and, you know, go back and forth testing recipes to find what was good and not just it tasted good, but would meet the macronutrients, the protein, carbs, and fats in a balanced manner. So then, um, like I said, that was six years ago. And then three years into that, I decided like, okay, I'm going to write a cookbook. I left my career. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a full-time career at that time. I left it to pursue writing this cookbook, which was the Fresh Farmhouse Kitchen. And that's why, how I came up with the name, because it was farmhouse um, style foods, but Mm -hmm. made healthy. And I launched that book um, in 2016. And I have my next book coming out here in about two months that's... um, a little sequel. <laughs> oh, great. Great. Well, that's uh, that's quite a, a little evolution. And it's interesting when people's story come, you know, what they end up doing comes from their own things in life. In your case, you were trying to kind of balance out your eating and and also not, not be bored with these, oh, this healthy food is kind of bland and not fun. And so you found a way to spruce it up and then share that with the world. So that's kind of a... Right. That's a cool story. I... Uh, and, and as I look at like your website, you've got things on there like a double chocolate chip protein cookie. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. All this kind of, is this all stuff that you kind of just came up with on your own? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you've drawn from some various ideas as well, but. Yeah, it's all recipes that I just come up with or I'll think a lot of times it's, 
almost where I'll just be craving something sweet and I'll just see what I have in the pantry and then see what I can make up. I use a lot of protein powder um, mm-hmm. in my recipes because that way you're getting a sweet treat, but with the protein, because, uh, you know, as a society, we don't get enough protein in our daily diet. A lot of, you know, a Western style diet is made up of a lot of carbs and fats and it's, you know, void of protein. So I make sure I add protein as a main component into all my recipes. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the desserts you'll find do have protein powder added into them because otherwise it's kind of hard to get that from just eggs you're adding to a recipe or, you know, things like that. So that way it's more rich in protein that way you're, you know, balancing out and it keeps you full longer. So, um, yeah, it's just things I made up. And like you said, like, you know, I can draw inspiration from something. If I'm watching, like, I see something on Food Network and I love it, I'm like, wait, I can make, you know, let's say a double chocolate cookie. I'm like, wait, I can make that way healthier. And then I just go to the kitchen and start building out the recipe um, based on recipes that I've made previously that I know works for the consistency level. And then I add different flavors to it. Um, You know, some even have like a berry uh, flavored baby food, which sounds disgusting, but when you add it with mm. cocoa powder and into a double chocolate chip cookie, it tastes phenomenal. It adds a lot of moisture to it without the sugars <laughs> and the fats. Yeah. Hey, there's some good baby food out there. Let's not uh, knock baby food. <laughs> but when you mix it <laughs> no, in right. with other adults. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. Um, so as I, uh, as I think about your nutritional, maybe school of thought here, is there any um, specific kind of best practices that you think as far as like intervals of eating some people some people talk about oh let's not eat after 8 p.m or 10 p.m or do you get into that that side of things or you just kind of yeah absolutely so one thing something that i do personally is a macro-based diet um i get a certain amount of protein carbs and fats a day and then i eat any time of day i want whenever i'm hungry as long as i don't go over those Number. So it's almost like um, with a macro diet, it's almost like a bank account yeah. where you have gold numbers every day and you have to eat to get those numbers. And actually, if I under eat, then my weight might be up a little bit the next day. But if I eat the amount that I'm supposed to, my body knows that it's getting food at a regular basis and it keeps my metabolism high. So then you can keep you can start to slowly add more and more calories to your diet while maintaining um, your lean, you know, how lean you are. So I prefer the macro based diet. Um, you know, my husband, he likes to do he's doing a ketogenic diet. He does um, intermittent fasting, like what you're speaking of, where you eat um, only, you know, maybe only six to eight hours a day and the rest of the time you're fasting. So you might have like maybe like a 16 hour fast is pretty popular. And that's also including while you're sleeping. So eight hours of that is while you're sleeping, eight hours while you're awake and you get all of your calories in either like midday or later at night. Um, Really, I don't subscribe to one particular diet for anybody. I don't say, yes, do this. A lot of times it's based upon what works for someone else. And I think that's yeah. where there's a, a big gray area in the fitness space. Everyone's looking for that like that quick fix or that, like, I want this, this miracle diet or this miracle pill. But the thing is that it, it sounds so cliche, but different things work for different people. So if I'm someone like that I'm going to be hungry all day, fasting is not going to be great for me because when it's time for me to eat, I'm probably more than likely going to go over my calories because I feel like I'm so starved and famished from the day. However, it's just the whole thing across the board with any sort of diet is you have to expend more calories than you actually intake. Mm. And no matter how you do that, that's the science of it. As long as you're eating less than the amount that you're putting out or you're putting out more than you're eating, you're going to be able to um, lose weight, you know, and then like, you know, build your muscle and things. Mm. Yeah. Cause there's this whole thing with eating. I think sometimes Especially we Americans, we kind of set aside the whole thing with nutrition. It's like, well, I'm going to go exercise and I'm going to go work hard at my job or career or dreams or entrepreneurship, whatever it might be. 
but I'm also going to, st- you know, no offense, Burger King or Taco Bell. I'm going to also be eating that for lunch and dinner. <laughs> and certainly I've been there. Right. I, you know, I grew up with a single dad and that was kind of what we grew up with because, you know, that right. was the situation. But yeah. um, right. so when it comes to ba- like, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say that's part of, you know, like the balancing the health aspect out is because, you know, if you really want to see, you know, your goals, it's nutrition is key. And a lot of people dismiss that because they think like that's as long as I work out, I'm fine. But the thing is, if you really want to see results, you have to have the nutrition aspect of that as well. And not just the I'm going to sweat my butt off all day um, working out and I'll be fine. It doesn't work that way. No. Yeah, it's. And there's this whole balancing act that we have to maintain because it, it, from what I've understood and experienced personally, the whole nutritional side is so crucial that to overlook it to any degree in terms of our mental state and our how we feel physically and our energy levels and all that, it's it's just at the, at the center. I mean, <laughs> what we're eating. Absolutely. Well, and a lot of it is your gut health. Everybody says your brain controls, you know, your body, but it's actually your gut that controls your brain. So your uh, cues, emotionally, physically, mentally, everything of what, how your body's going to respond. So if you're eating crappy food, you're going to feel crappy. So it's something where, you know, you need to make sure that you're putting good in to be able to get that good out. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when you talk about the ketogenic diet, just for those who don't know, and I know this isn't necessarily something that you push hard, but you talk about your husband does this. For those who don't know, what exactly is that? A ketogenic diet is basically you're putting your body in a state, uh, a, a ketogenic state in ketosis, which means that instead of, um, you know, you're getting your energies, uh, you know, throughout your body, through, like your muscles, you're getting, it's going to turn your liver is going to produce ketones which are going to you're going to get your energy from ketones so it's something where you don't eat carbohydrates or eat a very minimal amount and a lot of those carbohydrates would be from just like vegetables and then you eat a higher amount of fat so a lot of times in diets you'll either eat a higher amount of carbohydrates and low fat or you'll eat low carbohydrates and high fat so in the ketogenic diet it's um, protein, but fat is going to be your main um, source of food that you're eating. So a lot of times you want a protein-rich diet. and a ketogenic diet, it's more of a fat-rich diet. And I've done a ketogenic diet for six weeks. Um, I did not like it. It made me very tired, very sluggish. I had no energy. And a lot of people, you know, it's either they love it or they just hate it. And I was one that I just did not like that because, yeah. you know, it's for women, I found it's like some women love it, but a lot of women, it's just not really made to work for them just because like hormone levels and things like that. Cause you need your carbohydrates. Mm. Um, so it's, it's really popular, um, with men to do a ketogenic diet cause it kind of helps to, to boost that weight loss. However, when people come off of a ketogenic diet, they need to understand that you need to start slowly introducing carbohydrates back into your diet. So you don't rebound and, you know, gain a lot of weight, uh, weight back quickly. Yeah. Okay. So that sounds a little similar to like the old Atkins, uh, thing about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every diet now I feel like is a repackaged purpose to one from, you know, back in the day, but yeah, it is <laughs> somewhat of the Atkins diet. It's actually like a lower carbohydrate, um, diet than that, but yeah, kind of like the same, same idea. So when you're dieting, it seems like carbs are a very crucial component of how much and in the intake levels and when, and, uh, some, in some cases, not at all. I've seen people, you know, my, my own dad goes several weeks without eating breads and he'll lose 20 pounds or something, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, and it, 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 go ahead, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'd like you to add whatever you'd like to add. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, it, it is 
it is crucial because it's great for your muscle repair because as soon as you get done working out, you're, you're, you know, when you work out, you're tearing those muscles down and you're basically essentially imagine a rope and you're ripping that rope apart and it's hanging on by just one strand of that rope of the threading of it. So when you get done with your workout, it's important to have a protein and a carb source that's, you know, it's something that's easily digestible and that way you can start to repair that because when you work out, you're tearing muscles apart by you having a good post-workout regimen with a protein shake and then like maybe some ignition, which is like a carbohydrate that, um, you know, is liquid so your body can quickly absorb that to start repairing that, you're getting that muscle, it's like putting a bandaid on your muscle, and then every time you tear it and put it together, that's what's going to build your muscle to have that nice, like a lean toned look, or if you're a guy and you want to build like larger muscle mass, Mm -hmm. um, that's how that's done. So carbohydrates are very important play. You know, people say like, oh, I'm doing a no carb diet, like carbs are just some sort of like a delicacy in life, but they really are required for, you know, hormone function, brain function, um, you know, for muscle repair and recovery. There's a lot of benefits to carbohydrates in a diet. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And I'm not one who actually diets much. I mean, I, fortunately, I've been blessed, I guess, in some capacity where I, I, I don't gain weight easy. I'm fairly tall and all that. So I've always been kind of skinny. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd actually probably could use some good muscle mass. So I need to go get a trainer and, <laughs> and change my diet up that way. <laughs> but so from, from a dieting perspective, though, um, th- this whole a lot of people struggle and, and I don't want to digress too far in one direction, but do you have anything to say to those who might, uh, you know, just after after years of struggle, perhaps, and maybe excessive weight gain, maybe turn to surgery and stuff? Uh, is that a case by case, I guess, kind of thing? Or what are your thoughts on that whole topic? Yeah, it's a case by case thing because, you know, the number one problem with diets is consistency because people are so into these like what you see in the tabloids and the the magazines and stuff when you're at the grocery store check out of you know lose 15 pounds in one week or drink this and lose 20 pounds in 10 days they're so um inundated with these quick fixes that they feel that if they do something and it doesn't work like that that they're failed at their diet or their diet failed them the thing is is that you know a diet will work if you do and it's simple science that you know like i said earlier you know you like you have to be working out or you have to be moving more and expending more calories than you do take in and then you're going to lose weight. And, you know, people that I have nothing against um, if someone chooses to have an elective surgery like that to get a jump start. But the thing is, is that the biggest problem um, with that is, is that they have to be able to. I feel personally, obviously I'm not a doctor, I just, this is my personal opinion, mm-hmm. is that if you are moving in that direction that you want to have surgery to kind of like get the jump start or for your, you know, to get your, start to regain your health, you need to start establishing healthy practices before that. Because if not, you sometimes, I've seen this happen personally to two people that I know, they will have that elective surgery, um, no matter, you know, if they want to do a band on it, if they want to do whatever they choose to do. Yeah. But they'll have this elective surgery mm-hmm. and they feel like the job is done then and they don't change those healthy habits and they end up, you know, gaining the weight back or they get sick because they, you know, they can't hold as much food as they used to and they haven't changed their eating habits. Mm-hmm. So I feel that it's important that people, you know, get into a very good routine of moving more. And if they can't work out of the gym, at least walk every day, you know, start making healthier food choices, you know, stop, you know, cut back on your alcohol consumption, your fast food consumption, and get in that, get those habits instilled in you to where it becomes part of you. That way, when you do have that surgery, you can come out of you, you can just pick up where you left off and keep, you know, 
perfecting those healthy habits that you were creating. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when you explain all that too, because everything is interconnected. And we we're talking about our mental state. So if if you have an addiction to food in some capacity, uh, or you know, turn to food for for comfort, we all need food for comfort, and it ups our blood sugar levels and helps us feel better and maybe be nicer to each other sometimes. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have you know, I've experienced that on both sides. And uh, yeah, um, so. What about the mental side of things? Because you talk about you've got to be developing these habits, and there's a big mental component to that. Um, did you want to talk any on that specific side of it? Yeah, I mean, as far as you know, backing up to what you said about food addiction, that is a very real thing. Um, you know, I've talked about that before with people. Is that you know, it's not just an addiction. People think, well, just don't eat food. Well, think about that yeah. though. That's like telling like a, a drug addict, like, hey stop drugs, but you have to have it three times a day to survive to live, mm-hmm. you know? So you're telling someone to, Hey, just don't eat as much, but they have an addiction, but they still have to eat. So it's really hard to crush an addiction when it's still required in your daily life. Yeah. So I have a lot of, you know, my heart goes out to those people cause that is really hard. I mean, like it's to, to overcome that, but the mental state, you know, it's something where you have to be able to have that change, that mindset, to where it's going to be something where you're going to have to push yourself for a few days to maybe, you know, get yourself in that habit, you know, you know, 12 to 21 days is usually like a good habit for me, depending upon like how high your motivation level is to do this. But it's something where, you know, an accountability partner or hiring a trainer or a diet, working with a dietitian, um, you know, if you are someone that, you know, is, you know, has diabetes or is obese or, you know, morbidly obese. And you, a lot of times you, know, you might be seeing a dietitian through your, um, your regular doctor, that's something that's important because when you start to make these changes and you're putting healthier food in, there's going to be like a fog where you're coming you feel so down about yourself because you've been eating bad. You can't believe you let yourself get in the shape that you're in. You can't believe what size clothing you wear. You feel like a disgrace Mm -hmm. and that you just let yourself down and it's easy to have a pity party. But the thing is that as you start to make these healthier choices, every single little healthy choice you make or the extra movements that you're doing a day to get outside or work out or just you know go up and down your stairs at your house more often or any kind of type of extra movement, those little bitty things are instilling small little increments of confidence in yourself to where you're going to be building that over time and over time to where – you start feeling confident to go out into the gym, you know, in public, or you start to feel more confident about like, you can go out to eat and not let yourself, you know, go crazy and Mm -hmm. order the bad food. You can go out and realize like, I can order healthy. I can live a healthy lifestyle. It's not hard. Things are as hard as you choose to make them. So it's getting that, that mindset, you know, like locked down where you know that you can live, you can live a very fulfilling life while, maintaining your health and making your health a priority because the thing is that if you're taking care of yourself you can take care of your family better your kids better your you know your career you can handle that better the shit that sorry i don't know if i can cuss on here the stuff that life throws your way you're gonna be able to handle that better as well (laughs) yeah no you're absolutely right it's uh and and again everything is case by case it's People have things with their childhood and they cope with it through food or various things. And and I think it's real important for us to realize, and I didn't understand this as well. In fact, I did an interview, interview some time back around episode 38 or so about addictions and some people and how that affected their lives personally and other family members. And, and it's important to understand whether it's drugs, food, sex, the various things people tend to be addicted mm-hmm. to that, are, that usually create some sort of sensory stimulation in the brain and release of some sort of 
extra uh, yeah. neurotransmitter. All these, yeah, it becomes a disease. I mean, it literally is a disease from a medical standpoint, and it's important that we don't look down on anybody who has any form or degree of addiction. Uh, whether it be food or something else, because sometimes maybe we judge, oh, that guy is 400 pounds or or whatever. What an awful slob. It's not the case. It's There's something going on. And yes, there's an element of decision that has to be made. I don't mean to preach here, but there's I talked way back in the podcast about the word decision. The roots literally mean to cut off. And so when you make a decision, yeah. like you just said, you've got to be all in. It's, it's about, right. yes, there'll be a struggle, but you, you don't need to overwhelm yourself. And step by step by step, you can gradually get to where you need to be. Uh, right. Gradually changing habits, exercising. Go ahead. Exactly. No, I was just going to, I was just going to piggyback on what you said. It is, you know, everything is a decision, but it's something where, you know, you have to decide what, what is going to shine better. You know, one of my favorite little sayings that's, I mean, it's been overused. It's a cliche, but it's because it's true mm-hmm. is that, you know, you know, being overweight and unhealthy is hard. Staying in shape, you know, and getting there is hard and maintaining it's hard. So it's like, you you have to choose what level of hard you want, but like, why would you not want to choose the one that's going to be, have a, have a uh, upside to it? You know what I mean? And that's getting in shape and being healthy and, you know, not saying you have to look like someone in a magazine, but be healthier for you. You know, you, mm-hmm. it's as you get older, I feel like, you know, because you and I are about the same age, it's transitioning from the aesthetic side of it, of how you look, to I want to feel good and I want to be healthy as I get older. I want to be able to move. I want to be have, be flexible, you know, and it's kind of a, a pretty, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, like profound thing as you get older and you realize like, you know what, I'm not just doing this to try to look good in a swimsuit. I'm doing it because I want to live longer and be healthier and feel like genuinely feel good inside. So you make those, you know, proper decisions, you know, the older mm-hmm. that you get to feed your, feed your uh, body and your mind that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think that's important in all aspects of life. You talk about entrepreneurship, you talk about uh, nutrition and, and fitness and all these various things that are uh, lifelong endeavors, perhaps, but it's right. important to have a strong why, like you just mentioned, living longer, that alone for, especially those of us with kids and and other mm-hmm. loved ones and spouses and whatnot. It's like, yeah. why wouldn't you want to add another 10, 20, 50, maybe, you know, in some cases up to 50 plus years of life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, just be able to play outside with them and not get winded and not have to make excuses why you won't go out and play with them or why you don't want to do stuff because you don't feel good about yourself or you feel like a slob or your clothes don't fit good. So you're not comfortable in public and, you know, cause you're always tugging at your clothes to make them fit right. There's a lot of things there and you mm. need it. It's something where we have to reflect on ourselves and realize like, what are my excuses and why am I making them? It's not cause you're, why am I tired? Well, you're tired because you're not used to moving. So your body wants to stay in that state of, you know, just, you know, laying around being a quote slob, you know? Mm. So it's, it's, you know, recognizing those habits and recognizing what it takes to change those. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, and, as, and I think about that, I like I feel for, I think we've all had various types of struggles, and I see people struggle to a ex- more extreme extent with some of these things, and I just, mm-hmm. I really feel for the, I just want to at least say that. If you're listening and you're struggling uh, in any way with any of these things, we all struggle to an extent, so I, we always tell our audience, you are priceless, you are never alone. These two things I'm always reminding people, and I just mm-hmm. want to, again, remind people, so, and, and if that, if you're not quite to a place where, okay, I'm mentally ready to to make a decision, to cut off, to move forward with this new path, maybe we go to some therapy. Maybe we, you know, whatever it is to, whatever, yeah. from where you are now to take baby steps forward even, uh, I think yeah. that's that's a real important uh, topic here. I, 
Yeah, I agree. And it's something, you know, like you mentioned therapy, a lot of people do go for that for their health because they get in, they go both sides. It's either they're super unhealthy or they're unhealthy in a way where they are become like almost, um, they're addicted to exercise. I think it's called orthorexia mm-hmm. where they're addicted to healthy food. They're addicted to the, and that can also be unhealthy as well. You know, people see a lot of, you know, bikini competitions or bodybuilding competitions and they're, you know, people are just like shredded, like crazy. They've got so much muscle and stuff, but they're very depleted in water and they've been dieting in a very strict calorie deficit diet for weeks and weeks. You know, that's not the epitome of health, you know? Mm. So it's just, we look at things and you know, there's more than meets the eye on a lot of things like that. So it's, you know, if you can't, if maybe if you can't afford therapy, talk to a friend or at least if you're trying to get healthier, have a friend hold you accountable be like, Hey, could you, you know, check up on me every day? Or can you shoot me a text message and, you know, let me know, like, you know, keep me in line. Like, cause some people do struggle to get started. And especially if you are with someone in a relationship that maybe doesn't want those same things as you, as far as like with fitness and health, it can be harder because they're not necessarily going to be there and They'll be supportive of you, but they're not going to be there to like, okay, let's go work out. They might want to lay on the couch when you would really like to lay on the couch, but you need to go work out, you know? So it's good to have, you know, an accountability partner, um, as you get moving on your journey. Yeah. I think that's excellent advice. Uh, because when you have somebody else there, there's just something magical about having some sort of companionship, some sort of, you know, like you say, accountability partner to say, you know, what did you do? You don't want to let them down. Yeah, exactly. And vice versa, maybe doing it together. (laughs) So I'm going to keep you accountable. You keep me accountable kind of thing. Uh, So uh, is there anything else we want to add about people's mental, emotional health or loving oneself as we move into a couple other topics nutrition wise? What is there anything else you want to add on that? Or I don't, I don't think so. It's just, you know, keeping that, that mindset of like, you know, everyone can change. So your body is not it's not just the way you're born. It's not just your genetics. It's not just that you're, you know, big boned or anything like that. You know, it's something where like you need to be able to realize like, you know, this where you're at is not the state you have to stay in. We can't be complacent. We can't just stay there. Like if you truly want to be more aggressive about your health and be healthier, it just takes one little baby step at a time to let those things snowball. You don't have to mm-hmm. throw all your food out and hire a trainer to come over seven days. You don't have to take like these like drastic, huge changes, make one change. If you don't work out, you don't do anything, decide, okay, you know what? I'm going to cut back on drinking soda. I'm going to not eat fast food this week and just start making little changes like that because you know, slowly snowball into a healthy habit because you're going to be quitting things slowly and then adding healthy things in slowly as well. Yeah. Yeah. And what you say, it reminds me by the way, back you know, again, we're around the same age range here. I remember back in the 90s, this lady, Susan Powder, do you remember her? Uh, oh, my God, yes. I don't have <laughs> years. And I don't even know why. Uh, I some, I guess I somehow watched all or part of one of her infomercials <laughs> one time. Yeah, I remember. I was probably on summer vacation sitting around, and here's Susan Powder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know what it was? It was Stop the Insanity. That's what she had. And she had a shaved head, and people thought she was kind of crazy, I think, some people. I thought she was great, but... Uh, she used to talk about it when and she used to be, I guess, before she did all that, she was real big and stuff. And she said, it didn't take you overnight to get there and it's not going to take overnight to, to get back where you want to be. So we have to, right. you know, like you say, everyone can change. We all want, and especially in America, more and more, all the technology is fast, fun, and easy. Everyone wants fast, fun, easy, and it's just not that way. And it, again, it wasn't fast. Maybe it was fun gaining the weight in some ways, but right. <laughs> none of it's yeah, easy. Yeah, because you enjoyed all the food and everything. But yeah, you know, you didn't you didn't wake up with that extra weight, so you're not going to wake up the next day with it gone. Yeah, 
And and you mentioned a few minutes ago about uh, I don't mean to jump all over the map on topics, but you mentioned oh, s- soda. Uh, and I grew up drinking back in the day. McDonald's had the super size, and you get the ninety-five gallon oh, soda yeah. or whatever <laughs> it was, <laughs> and two gallons of fries. Uh, yeah. And they, they've done away with that since. But well, do you have anything to say about soda? Because it seems like such a pernicious evil in our <laughs> world that it just destroys yeah. your body. Well, I mean, the, car- the car- yeah, soda. I mean, soda is just. I mean, it's it's not great for you. I mean, it's and I'm not like some like only bioorganic and I was like, I like diet Coke. I'll drink a diet Coke maybe, yeah. you know, two or three times a week just cause it's like, I like the bubbles and the carbonation and stuff. But with, you know, soda, regular soda, I had a friend that quit drinking soda. That's all he did. And he lost 35 pounds just yeah. from cutting out regular soda. It's yeah. crazy because you know, one can of soda, like one can of Coke is like 40 carbohydrates. I mean, that's like, wow. that's like, yeah, it's they what is it? It's like six slices of white bread is the equivalency of drinking one soda. So you wouldn't sit down and eat six slices of white bread, you know. <laughs> so it's just like this crazy number like that. So, you know, and you figure a lot of people, if you go to the gas station, they get thirty two, forty four ounce, sixty four ounce, yeah. you know, sodas, <laughs> twelve ounces and like so you're getting three hundred, let's say, carbohydrates in one drink. I mean, that's more than a carbs and I eat in a whole day. Yeah. So, you know, and with diet soda there's, you know, obviously there's still as much like hatred around it because the chemicals and sweeteners and things like that. But the way I see it is, you know, I, I eat healthy 90% of the time. I'm okay to have my diet soda if I need it. But with that, I will say this is that the carbonation causes people to have, to feel like watery and bloated and blah. So carbonated drinks period, because of the gases in them Mm. can make you feel heavier and make you feel sluggish and tired. So if you mix that carbonation factor with the carbohydrates and the sugars that are in regular soda, you might get a little bit of a sugar spike and that energy spike from it, Mm -hmm. but then you're going to feel really like just gross because you're going to have like a carbon sugar, just almost like a drop. Like you're going to hit a wall. You're going to be more tired and you're going to feel sluggish and blah. So then people drink another soda trying to wake themselves up, not realizing they're actually putting themselves on a roller coaster up and down of getting this big sugar spike and your insulin spike and then it's going right downhill whenever you have a sugar crash and the you know from the carbohydrates and everything like that as well Mm. so i mean sugar i don't like regular soda people can quit that that's wonderful they can switch to diet to at least save the calories and everything and you know slowly wean off of it from there if they want to or if they want to have be like me and just have a couple a week you know and just as like a little bit something different because i drink so much water you know like Mm -hmm. having that carbonation is like i like the bubbles like i said yeah well, it, yeah, so that's my little tip on soda. Yeah, those are all great points. I mean, I personally have learned to love water, and that's I too, yes. pretty much the best thing. Gets clean filter water. Uh, most of us have access to pretty clean water in America, regardless. And uh, you know, I remember I don't know if you ever did P ninety X or any of that, but Tony Horton was talking about drink your water, people. He'd say that in a couple of workouts, not go drink a soda yeah. or any of that. Don't drink Coke, uh, but. So on that topic of beverages, what do you recommend when you talk about, do you personally do any intermittent fasting or uh, you mentioned your husband does that? Because I know a lot of people who do that, they do sometimes also consume, you know, green uh, beverages and whatnot. Uh, Green teas and things like that. Yeah. Do you have any more insights? I'm sorry. I'll do intermittent fasting every once in a while. Like if we have an event, um, you know, and we eat foods that we don't usually do and I feel kind of like still full in the morning, I'll intermittent, I'll fast until like maybe dinner time Mm. or, you know, five o'clock at night, something like that. 
but I don't do it. I used to do it um, for several months, actually, where I wouldn't eat anything until 4 p.m. I would eat between 4 and 9, and that was it. And I did feel good about it because I've never been someone where I wake up hungry usually. So intermittent fasting, I really did enjoy. However, I did find personally that it wasn't as beneficial in my workouts, whereas I would, would not have as much energy during my workouts because I was on an empty tank when I was working out. And um, I wasn't, you know, wasn't able to have that recovery um, uh, protein shake and yeah. my carbohydrates, my ignition that I take for my carbohydrates. I wasn't able to have that due to the fasting. So it was just a little bit harder to um, recover from my workouts and have the energy for my workouts. Mm. So, but I did overall feel good besides just that aspect of it. Mm. Now, when I started doing the, when I got back to just doing a straight macro diet where I could have my pre-workout shake, I could have my post-workout shake, that's usually pretty much all I'll have until usually four in the afternoon anyway, but it's something where I feel a lot better. I'm able to put on like lean muscle, um, and have more of like a toned look because I'm repairing my muscles, um, you know, and supplying them with what they need to perform at peak, you know, levels. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Now, what about those who, when you talk about fasting, um, some people go days at a time, sometimes weeks where yes, they'll consume, you know, remaining nameless of some folks I know personally who (laughs) will, will just like have an, half an avocado in the evening and just a bunch of green teas and stuff during the day where it's not fasting full on where they're not consuming it because they die, but (laughs) water and green teas and maybe an avocado do you have any thoughts on that where people go seven days and up to, you know, many more? Yeah, that's kind of, you know, some people do those like 72 hour fasts and things like that to kind of like jumpstart their body and get it ready for a new program that they're starting. Um, you know, and as far as going longer than that, sometimes that is just something that people just choose to do just almost like to see if they can, it's a personal challenge for them yeah. or they'll do it for like bragging rights or something. You know what I mean? Like just to say like, oh, I'm doing a seven day fast or they, you know, heard some like, there's some sort of program that's, you know, instructing them to do a seven day fast. The thing is that, you know, you have to remember that like your body is relying on calories as like putting gas in your car. Like you Mm -hmm. have to have it. So, you know, your body can only operate in a fasting mode for so long until it's like looking for other food. So the idea of that is, so you, you burn through your calories that you ate and then you're putting your body in a state of burning fat past that. So you're trying to burn more fat. And then, but the thing is that once your body runs out of that, it's going to start burning muscle. So yeah. you can actually start to eat into your muscles um, to where you're going to end up losing some muscle mass when you start fasting for long terms. That's why when people fast for a really long time, or they do intermittent fasting for a really long time. They may not see the muscle gains that they want and they may not look as good. They might feel better because it gives their digestive system a break, which is a lot of a benefit of um, intermittent fasting is to give your body a break from constantly processing food. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're not going to see the aesthetic look as beneficial as you would if you were eating a little bit more regularly. Yeah. I, I think I agree. I'm not, I'm no nutritionist or scientist or doctor by any stretch of the imagination, but there, there is some common sense to the fact that our body needs fuel, whether that's uh, Taco Bell or something else is, I guess some people right. have to make those choices, but uh-huh. uh, yeah, I mean, and on that note, one of your big things is the term clean eating, which we hear a lot lately. Um, yeah. How would you define actual clean eating and how does that play into your cookbooks and so on? Sure. So clean eating is kind of actually, it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating because it's been really uh, watered down the way people like 
perceive it. Mm-hmm. Um, they just figure like if it's healthy, it's considered clean. The thing is, like I, you know, with clean eating, like, it's like a bodybuilder's diet. It's like steamed broccoli and grilled veggies and things like that. Yeah. So clean is really defined as like no preservatives. It's going to be homemade. It's going to be um, void of any excess um, items that basically shouldn't be shouldn't be put put into a dish with something mm-hmm. else. So in my cookbook, the clean eating comfort food. It's all homemade food. It's all real. It's not like processed things because a lot of times in clean or quote clean cookbooks, they'll have you buy some sort of like quote healthy muffin and then do stuff with the muffin to make it like a dessert or something like that. Or like you're Mm -hmm. buying processed foods Mm -hmm. to add into a recipe. Whereas my, my food is all homemade. It's made from scratch items and it's things that are easy to make, but you're putting whole nutritious foods in your body that are not going to be, um, you know, they're not going to bog you down. You're going to be, your body's going to be able to identify them, process them, and then, you know, give you the energy that you need from them. And they're serving the purpose that is what, you know, what it's, what food is, you know, we're supposed to, you know, eat to live, not live to eat. And that's what clean eating is. It's, you know, it's the food that's going to fuel you for life. Yeah. Great points. And by the way, if we dissect what you just said and some of the other throughout this uh, conversation, there is a ton uh-huh. of value in what you just said about uh, eating to live and, or excuse me, what was it? And not, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, you eat to live, not live to eat. Right, right. And, and I think that underscores the idea of food addiction and stuff where we kind of go away from that whole idea where mm-hmm. we're doing what you just said, eat to live, not live to eat. And, and the other, right. the other th- insights you just said, do you have, by the way, any favorite dishes of these uh, cookbooks and, and things that you put oh my out? Gosh. <laughs> All of them are my favorite. It's so funny because people will post it on Instagram and tag me and I find myself like, oh my gosh, that's my favorite. And then like, they'll post them up. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my favorite. But I'm like, <laughs> I wrote the day book. They're all my favorites, obviously. But no, my favorite is the protein cinnamon swirl bread. It's like um, a breakfast, like cinnamon swirl coffee cake type of style um, cool. dish. I like that. My chocolate chip protein cookies are actually one of the most popular um, recipes in my whole cookbook that people always really enjoy. The savory slow-cooked um, chicken is probably – that probably is actually my favorite thing because I love to use my crock pot because it's <laughs> quick and easy um, you know, for busy days and stuff. I have several crock pot recipes in there because – with, you know, busy families, especially in the summertime with kids out of school and things and you're going to the pool or you're going to events or, you know, wherever you're going, um, it's nice to be able to come home and have a meal because the thing is, is that when food is, um, you know, convenient to prepare and it's not going to require you to stand in the kitchen for 45 minutes over the stove making stuff, you're more likely to create it. Because the thing is, if you can create this recipe quicker than you can go out to eat, you know, or you can order something and wait for the delivery to get there, you're, you're going to be able to, you know, you're going to want to do that because you know, you're, you know, you're not going to be, you're not saving any time. You know, you're not saving, yeah. you're saving a lot of money and you're going to be eating quicker. You're going to be feeding your family right. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're going to be, you're going to have the health benefits from it as well. Yeah. And plus you might have some extra leftovers by, uh, <laughs> you know, cooking yeah, at home. Great. You know, yeah. If you make a, make a couple extra servings, you'd be able to have your lunches for the next day as well. Yeah. And, and I like what you said about having favorites. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a silly topic, truthfully, because uh, another thing Tony Horton used to always say, variety is the spice of life in this whole P90X thing. And uh, so having some variety where you have some sweets and some other things mixed in there, I think that's great that you have kind of a an opportunity for some balance where it's it's not just this or just that. It's all just asparagus based or, you know, you've got all kinds I of... I want to feel deprived. 
yeah, yeah. It's uh, but there's a lot of variety to it, so that's uh, I think that's real helpful yeah. to keep people going. And, and by the way, yeah. go ahead. What do you want to add? Oh no, I just said thank you so much. Oh yeah, well you're welcome, and thank you. <laughs> I uh, and one thing I should have asked you up at the beginning. Uh, do you have any heroes that uh, you look up to as you pursue this or in any aspect of your life from entrepreneurship and motivation uh, that you'd like to, to share with Actually, us? Actually, you know, it, it may sound like cliche, but it's my dad. I mean, he was the hardest worker I've ever known. My mom always said that the worst thing they ever did was uh, invent headlights on a tractor because my dad will work as long as he can. And <laughs> he was the reason why I even wanted to become an entrepreneur when I was, you know, 20 years old and why I started my first business because I saw him do that. And I love that. And my, you know, my dad is a great leader and he's such a hard worker. And I mean, he just, I just, I've always admired like his work ethic. And as I've gotten older, you know, I've, I've learned more of like the trials and tribulations of entrepreneurship and to know the size company that he, um, you know, owns and the, the employees that he, you know, manages and everything like that. It's just, it's fascinating to me because he does it so eloquently mm. and, and I know the stresses that he deals with, but he never, ever, you know, brought that home. He was always very good of like dropping that armor at the door and coming in and being dad, you know, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, and it's something where I don't, and there's no such thing as real true balance, but he was someone that always made it look like life was in like perfect balance. So he would definitely be the, the person that, you know, would be my inspiration. Wow. That's awesome. I love that. It's, and it doesn't always have to be someone like Oprah or, or Queen Elizabeth. No, you know, and I've no, I, I don't have anybody like that that I actually like admire or like look up to or anything like that. Cause I just feel like everybody's on a different journey yeah. and you can get inspiration from them and, th- and admire their work. But the thing is that, you know, their work is their work and you're going to do that work in a different manner. So it's something where I just feel like, you know, real, um, people that you can have in your life that you can pull from are, you know, are really the best because then, you know, they're, there's someone you can go to directly and ask for help and things like that. But everybody's journey is absolutely different as cliche as that sounds. So, I mean, you can't compare yourself to someone else and admire them or be jealous of them because they're, you know, everybody's doing their work, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And plus your dad, I mean, literally a part of you and vice versa. And so there's uh, a, that's a beautiful thing. I love that. Um, there is so much we could uh, talk about here further, uh, digging deep into all these topics because we've kind of brushed over some things too. But I think we've covered a wide range of things from, you know, eating yeah, disorder concepts, yeah. clean eating, you know, the whole thing with carbs and Atkins. Wow. And uh, I think I think one big takeaway is how we frame things. We haven't really used that word in, in our conversation, but how we frame the whole concept of dieting and eating and health and balance and uh, looking at it not as a as more of a friend than a foe so to speak that it's not uh, that it's not something to be a daunting thing and that we can gradually work our way into it and it sounds like you have a beautiful community you've got a great uh, following on social media so people can turn to you and on that note where can everyone find you as we come to a close here sure my uh, the main place that I'm at is Instagram it's just at Emily Frisella. On Facebook, Emily Frisella, and also my business page on there is Fit Home and Health. Yeah. And then also my website, fithomeandhealth.com. Great, great. So many great things. And I love what you're doing, and you're inspiring a lot of people. And I see a lot of big names following you. So you are actually making a, <laughs> a big impact and, uh, and uh, very low key about it, and but very knowledgeable, very uh, personable. And so continue doing what you're doing. Is there anything you want to add as we come to a close here? 
No, I just want to thank you for having me, and I'm so glad we could finally connect after all these weeks, and I just, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. And for our audience, as always, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.